0: Well, I'm always kind of at a lot. I never know this time of year, like, uh, sermon series wise, we wrapped up Colossians last week, and I know that in a couple of weeks we're going to have kickoff time for the kind of fall season, and uh, we're excited for that. We're, we're going to kind of uh, parlay what we were talking about last spring, and the kingdom of God, and the, and the Holy Spirit, and we're going to take uh, a look at the New Testament, especially the, the different things that come up in our lives that we encounter everything, um, that Jesus talks about, uh, from man. I mean, there's conflicts, calling people names. There's emotions like anger. There's stuff like divorce. There's family issues. There's all sorts. I mean, there's lots and lots of, um, I guess we would call them job or wealth management. I mean, all there's all, there's all of our life that, I mean, when Jesus is talking about the the last should be first and the first should be last, what's he talking about here? There's this upside down kingdom that already exists. And as the Lord transforms us and we we learn to see our lives and the things that happen in our lives through those kingdom eyes, it changes everything. And so this fall, we're excited to start a series uh, just kind of working through those things. But what do we do in the meantime? Because this is the time of year where uh, even, uh, even my wife is down in Southern California celebrating her dad's 70th birthday. woo happy birthday, dad. And uh, everybody's traveling. And so this is a, kind of turned into one of those times of year where as a pastor, I'm always like, oh man, what do we talk about? And uh, earlier this summer, this came to mind. And actually, this is something, this is a topic that I've been working on in my own life. Um, for a while and I, I sometimes get traction and then, and then I don't. And I used to talk about this specifically in January because that's like the time to make um, New Year's resolutions and goals. And what I've realized in my life is that that is too late. I have to talk about this now. What are we gonna talk about? We're gonna talk about living inside the margins and how we manage and how we are stewards of uh, the limited resources that we have in our life, specifically things like time and finances. So we're gonna talk about time this week. And um, as I'm preparing this message, I mean, margins, 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 like making room, what are we talking about here? Um, When I was in college and grad school, don't tell my kids that I did this, okay? You know, the professor, I know they're sitting right over here, the professor would say, hey, you have to have, you know, at that time, grad school, it's like a 15 page paper on whatever. And so, you know, you write it, it's done. And then you have to play this game. You're like, oh, it's only 14 and a half pages. Or, oh, it's 16 and a half pages. What do you do? I know all of you that have been in this situation have done this. You play with the margins, don't you? Right, I've actually, Honest to goodness, I've had professors that would get out like a ruler and measure because it had to be exactly 1.25 inches, you know? I don't know why they just didn't say word count. Like, that's a Anyway, so you play with the margins to make it all fit. Because on every page, there's a a space that's not written in. There's a margin around it. And so during the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about living inside the margins and it's like that space left around the edge of a page. We also need space intentionally left to form margins around our, uh, our lives, especially in areas like how we manage and spend our time and our finances. This isn't the first time I've given a message like this. Uh, in fact, seven years ago, right after we moved here, it was January 2015, I preached on this idea. And it was probably only you know, a couple years before that that I, it, it, the light bulb finally went on in my own life. I was reading and uh, I encountered this idea and I thought, I really need that. And so as we're kind of sitting on the start of the fall, in my mind, it's like we're at the top of the first hill on the roller coaster. And you know, click, 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 click. And once the fall sports start, once school start, once all, I mean, there's all this stuff that starts in the fall. I mean, we're just headed down the hill and we're along for the ride. So what can we do right now that's going to help us, um, not just as people, but as followers of Jesus to live a godly and wise life. And maybe that doesn't sound like, oh man, that's such an attractive thing. I really want that in my own life. No, and the older that I've gotten as a follower of Jesus, the more that I read scripture, the more and more I see there is actually a way to live life that's presented to us in scripture. And when I was younger, it was always in the form of like do's and don'ts. As I've gotten older, I realize that it's actually like wise and unwise. And life often goes better when we choose, when I choose to live, or when I try to model what God has taught us in scripture. So what's a margin? A margin, uh, blogger Fraser Murdoch, he wrote a very thoughtful piece describing this that I read. He says, a margin is the portion of the page, as I mentioned before, that you intentionally leave blank. You don't write all the way from the left side of the page to the right side of the page, you typically leave space all the way around. We call those margins. Yet in our daily life, everything from our culture that we encounter is telling us, pressuring us to ignore margins. For example, uh, spending more money than you make leaves you no financial margin. Filling your schedule from morning till night, from Monday to Sunday, leaves you no time margin, surrounding yourself with needy people, constantly reacting to their expectation, that leaves you no emotional margin. Murdoch goes on to write, says, when every moment of my life is scheduled, I don't have the margin to stop and listen to someone who needs an ear. I don't have the time to jump in and help a neighbor fix their laptop, it's a little dated from like 10 years ago, Uh, or I don't have the flexibility to go to my kid's sporting event that was scheduled at the last minute. Margin makes you pleasant. No margin makes you grumpy, amen. Margin helps you listen. Without margin, you come across as someone who doesn't care. Margin gives you the space to learn, grow, and dream. Without margin, you become stale and empty. Margin increases the chance that you'll hear the still small voice of God when he speaks. Without margin, you might continue through life Without the blessing of God, and so as I read Fraser Murdoch, the wheels quickly turned. I agree. We inhabit a, a culture that pressures us nonstop to overspend, overcommit, overindulge, and it's just constant. I mean, it's social media, it's marketing, it's workplace, it's it's uh, us comparing ourselves to others and just kind of joining along in the crowd, and. All of this, overspending, overcommitting, overindulging, over over whatever, it has negative effects on us. It's not just our bank account. It's not just our waistline. It's not just our schedules. There's also casualties like our level of gratitude, our contentment and peace in life, our level of joy, or noticeably our resilience as people. But maybe one of the biggest casualties is the relationships in our life. They really suffer, you know, both with the people who matter most to us and also our relationship with God. So how can we stand up to this pressure? How can we live in wise and God-honoring ways? Well, I once thought that it was finding balance. Have any of you tried that? Oh, I need to find right balance here. And I I had a co-worker, so he was also a pastor, um, long time ago, who would always talk about our need to find balance. You know, find the balance between the demands uh, in our life, like between the time at work, time at home, time recreating, Uh, we need to find the balance between the money that we spend the money that we save for later the money that we give generously we need to find the balance between the demands of our career demands of our marriage the demands of our family and in this he was advocating for for now as i look back it was kind of a like a godly moderation in all things and this would help us as followers of christ to live in a way that honors God, but to be fruitful in, uh, in what God wants to do in us and through us. And so he had the, it was, it was like godly moderation. You know, if you could just live a balanced life, just like you eat a balanced diet, all would be better for you. Great. For years, I really thought that was a worthwhile goal. And, um, I could never find the balance. Or if I did, it was for a really fleeting moment, and then it was gone. And what I realized is that my friend, who's incredibly wise, great, loved the guy. uh, At that time, I was probably 30 and just starting a family, and he was like his kids were in college. Very different stages of life. Very different personalities, how that looks between one person and the next. I mean, when you're single or when you're married or when your kids are all grown and your grandparents, I mean, the stages of life affect this idea of balance incredibly. And for me, I just decided trying to find balance is like trying to be on a sailboat in the middle of the ocean and just waiting for the, you know, if there's this moment where the deck would stop moving up and down, perfection. It's never gonna happen. And I just decided, you know, if if I'm on the sailboat, I just need to get from here to there without drowning. And there, in a nutshell, are my expectations for life. Right? Those are terrible expectations. Well, as long as I just survive through this next tsunami of life, I'll make it. That's not living. That's not how God wants our lives to go or how God has designed life to work. And so if finding balance isn't the key to resisting all these pressures in our world to do more, to be more, to experience more, to spend more, to whatever more, what is? Well, this same friend had another thing that he would talk about constantly. And he would say, in these words, he's like, You need headroom okay not my words his words and what he meant by that was you need like you need headroom in your finances you need headroom in your schedule he he was saying you kind of need this cushion so when something unexpected comes along you can respond you know maybe God will lead this opportunity to serve or opportunity to give in your life if you don't have this space this cushion you can't respond I decided I'd call that a margin. Everyone needs margin. We can develop godly margins in our finances, in our health, you know, our physical, emotional, spiritual health, and what we're gonna talk about today, margins of time. Time is a finite resource. We all know that. 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, and yet, I bet if I looked at most of your schedules, you'd have enough stuff in there that would take 36 hours. And uh, there are some of us, and I hate you, okay, I've gone on, that have the capacity to actually accomplish 36 hours of my day in like 10 hours of your day, okay? And I'm constantly comparing myself to you and I'm always coming up short. You ever feel that way? Like how does so-and-so get that much Done, you know, their social media can't, they just climbed a mountain, they just got promoted, they just had another child. They just, uh, ah, are you kidding me? Well, just like I have terrible expectations of just, you know, let's get there without dying, I also have this terrible habit of comparing myself to others. Something we need to stop doing, at least I need to stop doing. I also experience the fear of missing out, FOMO, all the time. And so I just say yes. Uh, my schedule's full, my idea of stuff that I wanna do is, is long, and I just keep trying to plow through it and get more done. The challenge is when something comes up that isn't on my radar. That happens a lot. It's stuff at work, yes, but a lot of times it's stuff at home. It's with the two other people that ha- happen to be sitting right over there that live with Corey and I, my my kids. They have schedules too. And there's stuff that comes up that wasn't on the calendar. And it just seems like the wheels come off the wagon. It's frustrating. I remember uh, this time last year, uh, Bryn, our daughter, was in middle school, Mark, uh, high school. Neither of them drove at the time. And wouldn't you just know it? Like, okay, so there wasn't enough bus drivers last year when school started, so there wasn't enough bus routes. And so we found ourselves in the position where we had to be on that side of town 15 minutes before we had to be on that side of town. So I mean, you know, school starts, Corey and I are both, you know, driving kids to school. We all do that. And then, you know, the sports start uh, one of those i mean it 's just it 's busy it 's always busy in the fall, and then I remember this Friday night the, where I reached the breaking point was when Mark told me that he had to be he was required to be at pep band for one of the football games <laughs> and I was like, "But you have soccer practice at the same time, I know, but it 's required and and so In that scenario is a classic example of what happens when you don't have any margin. All of us get it. We all have this tsunami of stuff that rolls over us from time to time. We pray that it's just a season, but what if it's not? And sometimes I just wonder why do we do this? Why have we allowed our lives to become like this? where we're constantly tracking the next task or place that we have to go or the thing that we have to do. You know, the reason why I need a margin is best described by Pastor Mark Batterson. He says, you need margin to think. You need margin to play. You need margin to laugh, to dream. You need margin to have impromptu conversations. You need margin to cease unanticipated opportunities. See, when I have no margin in my day, it means that I've filled my life, my schedule, with potentially good things, but I often miss out on great things. The great things that happen are often not scheduled. For example, great things take time, patience, and flexibility. It's like playing cards with my daughter, or maybe going fishing with my son. Great things take an intentional pause, like an unrushed conversation with my wife or coffee with a friend. Uh, When I have no margin, my relationships suffer. It means that weeks, I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, sometimes weeks go by without me calling up my mom and saying, hey, how are you doing? When I have no margin, I become a machine that just checks off the to-do list and isn't much fun to be around. Naturally, there's times when things are out of our control, when things converge and become chaotic. But without any margin, that chaos feels more like drowning, doesn't it? And most of all, when I have no margin in my life, listening for God's still small voice is impossible. There's just too much noise, too many distractions. And so these margins become a place of relaxation, relational connection, of refuge, of rest. They're what make life less about surviving and more about actually living. And this is how God designed our life to work. You know, in the Old Testament, um, God talks a lot about margin. God has a margin, so did Jesus. I had a a professor in seminary who said this Our society is one which consistently asks people why they stop. Why'd you stop? While the Bible is constantly asking people why they did not stop. What did God do in the beginning, on the seventh day? He rested. Even God, the one with all the power in the universe, pulled up a seat, took time to cease from activity. God thought that it was such a novel idea, he made it part of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, he says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to your Lord, your God. Do you know who that commandment was originally heard by? Slaves. I don't know if they'd had a day off in 400 years. And here's God who we are, we're we're like, sure, you're like, you need to stop and take a Sabbath, you know. If you were a slave that hadn't had a day off, how would you have received that news? High fives, right? A whole day off? Are you kidding me? That's amazing. God is good, yes. We hear that and we go, oh man, I gotta see how I can figure out how to cram a whole day's worth of stuff into another day. I've never done very well at that. There's a reason given in the Ten Commandments for the Sabbath. It's because God had rested during creation. And I doubt that he rested because he was tired. No, he rested. He rested from his um, activities so that he could enjoy all his hands had made, so that he could enjoy who he had made. This is where relationships thrive. Creation and work, or work and rest, I'm sorry, creation and rest, work and rest, they're not opposites. They're intimately connected. And they're intimately connected to the presence of the Lord. It shouldn't come as any surprise to us that it's easiest to hear from God. It's easiest to hear God's voice when we are still. So if my outside world is in total turmoil, maybe my inside is too but the opposite is true. If my inside is at peace and at rest, even if the outside is chaos, so what? I can practice being still, being in the presence of God, and if I can do that, it affects how I respond to the outside world. You know, over and over again, like more than 100 times, The Bible talks about Sabbath, about intentional rest. There's Sabbath for people, Sabbath for the land. There's Sabbath observations. There's Sabbath uh, uh, celebrations and festivals. There's just Sabbath, 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 Sabbath. Have you read the Old Testament? There are parts of it where it's just mind-numbing. It's talking about Sabbath all the time. It's like God was obsessed. In the Bible, people are commanded to be still commanded to relax, to rest, to take a day off. It's funny, when I'm told that I have to do something, I don't want to. <laughs> human nature, I guess. Jesus himself taught on the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 2, he said that the Sabbath was made for human beings and not the other way around. God made it for us. God made the Sabbath for us so that we might enjoy the creation and our creator. So isn't it interesting? The further our culture gets away from having consistent Sabbath, the busier, more frantic, more anxious, more joyless our lives become. You know, as a society, we've really just started to ignore margins. We've started to just write all the way across The page. You know, growing up, I thought it was sinful not to have something to do. You know, idle hands are the devil's tools, my mom used to say, or probably my grandma used to say. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the biblical idea is that hands that are consistently in motion are the devil's tools. They're too busy to be available uh, too full to help out, too self important to bother, too tired to even care. And so we live in a world that asks us why we stop, while the Lord consistently asks us over and over again why we don't. God created our life to work with a margin. God has margins, Jesus did too. You know, one of the best examples of Jesus having margins is. Um, you know, it's easy to think about the times where he would always go away and pray. Sometimes margins is a mindset, and Jesus models this for us. Uh, in the in the Gospel of Luke, there's a a moment when Jesus has um, he's calmed a storm, he's like restored a, a demon possessed man. Uh, you know, like healed them. He's, he's going from village to village teaching about God's kingdom. He's healing lots of sick people. And then this guy named Jairus asks him to heal his nearly dead daughter who's somewhere else. She's at their home. And so in the story of Luke, this is like a 911 call. This is an emergency. Jesus, you need to respond immediately. And so Jesus just sets out on a mission to Jairus' house to save his daughter. And on the way, someone s- touches him, and Jesus stops. And he looks around, and he asks, who touched me? It's like this crowd of people. Jesus' disciples are like, uh, there's a 100 people here who are touching you? It's like, no, someone touched me. I felt power go out from me. And so then this little old lady comes up who'd been suffering a uh, uh, condition where she was bleeding all the time she'd taken countless trips to the doctor she'd spent all of her money and now she thought only Jesus would help her and she was right and what i realized when i read a story like that is that jesus allows himself to be interrupted i mean he's already super busy he's already on his way somewhere else this is emergency someone's going to die literally and yet he still has this capacity to press pause and turn towards another person. It's like he has a margin. He's busy, but he's not in a hurry. I'm terrible at that. But Jesus had all this other stuff just built into his schedule where he prioritized taking time away. So being interruptible, taking time to rest, has a definite impact on human beings. I mean, Jesus models for us a sustainable pace. He had a margin. He had room for people, opportunities. He took time to rest, to even do recreation with his disciples. He was able to hear from the Lord. But Jesus takes it to another level when he invites us to enter God's rest. Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. I want that rest. I want to be a person who's not just crashing from one thing into the next. I want to be the kind of person who's able to be available or pursuing relationships or that has room in their schedule to go do that fun thing, but I struggle. So how can you, how can I begin to live this way? How can we create margins? Well, one key is found in Titus 2.11. It's just simply learning to say no. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Titus. He says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. How can I grow in my ability to say no? Well, one thing is to just figure out my priorities are what I'm saying yes to already. I want to say yes to a growing relationship with God. I want to say yes to building deeper relationships with others. I want to say yes to God's way of life that's more adventurous, more energizing, more fulfilling, more joyful. That happens through Jesus than the life that we just live in our own. And so God can empower us. We can hear from the Lord about how we're living. And maybe... uh, the pressures that come to say yes to everything, because, oh man, so-and-so is doing that. Or, oh man, I don't wanna disappoint that person. Or, oh man, that's on my like, bucket list, so I'm just gonna do, and we've said yes to everything. We have to learn how to say no much better. I'm preaching to myself more than anyone else. And saying no isn't easy. It kinda comes with a cost but it's extremely helpful to articulate what you're saying yes to first. You know, I have a a friend, Jeff G, who has this like rule of thumb that he says all the time. And uh, what he does is he's like, you know, when someone asks me to do something, before I say yes, I think about, okay, so then if I'm gonna take that on, what am I going to release? And if you're like me, you go, I can't let go of anything. But that's not true. My friend Jeff G., is consist- he's good at that. He's like, okay, so if I'm gonna say yes to this, then I'm gonna let go of something else. Because he realized that he was just living without any margin, and life is no fun. Trying to develop margin is a worthwhile and worthy pursuit. It starts with saying no, It continues with figuring out what we've said yes to, because if you've said yes to this, then it's easy to go, no, I can't do that. This may be the worst time of year for me to talk about this as a pastor, because I know this is the time of year where I'm asking lots of you to serve in very specific ways. And I'm really nervous that you're gonna go, nope, can't do that, remember that message you heard? That's why I did it on this weekend when hardly anyone's here, okay? But how do we do this? As a, as a church that needs volunteers, or we, we encourage people to serve, but we're also serving not just here at church. I mean, some of us, a lot of us are volunteering in other places around the community. I don't know the answer other than to just say, God, you've got to help us figure this out. How how do I live in a way that's honoring and wise? But also, how do I respond to these needs that come up that are legitimate and frequent? And maybe God has some kind of plan. It's like the loaves and the fishes applied to our time. It's like, well, when you're walking in my ways, when you're listening to me and my prompts, you know, sometimes, I don't know, maybe there's just more time in the day that he or make us more efficient, Or he'll raise people up who are able to say yes, or he'll change our hearts and help us to see like, oh, I I really don't need to be doing that. Or I can lower my own expectations for all the stuff that I want to do so that I have more time to share with others. Creating a margin is as much a state of mind as it is in our schedule. A margin mindset starts with inserting commas. A comma is a gentle pause before you continue reading. So maybe instead of inserting commas on pages, we could insert commas into our daily life. What I mean by this is, it's being intentional about, so for me, I get so hurried and so rushed about the next thing that I have to do. When I was reading through my notes this week and I saw this, this is from the past. This is something that I wrote before, like, oh, you need to insert a comma in your day. I was like, oh man, that's actually what's broken right now for me. So I wanna go from thing to thing to thing to thing. But even if it's just for two minutes, when I stop and go, all right, Lord, are you there? Or two minutes to stop and check in with one of my kids hey how's it going and i'm actually listening and participating in that conversation that starts to change us subtly but importantly you know there's a book a long time ago gordon mcdonald it's a christian classic it's called renewing your spiritual passion He calls these little pauses Sabbath moments. He said this, God is not desirous of making us feel guilty when we don't have extended periods of silence and worship. God would prefer, prefer, I believe, that we would be prodded towards Sabbaths by a spiritual homesickness for his restorative presence. There's a great difference between the two motivation forces. If we discover the habit of snatching these Sabbath moments will be pressing God's presence into the day. So what about it? How could you, how could I, learn to better live inside the margins? These are limits that God has given us. And we can either resent those limits Pretend that they're not there, push back against those limits. Oh, I just need to expand my capacity. What if we learn to embrace those limits? What if by having margins, whether it's our time or our finances or our emotions, whatever that is in our life, what if that's actually the key to our contentment, our joy, our passion our presence with others, the relationships in our life. It's not just a what if. I'm telling you, this is the key, the way that God has designed our life to work. So let's all work together towards that goal of being people with margins, of being folks who are available, who say no and yes, and live the life that God designed for us to live. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we come before you, and um, I know that messages like this, I was reminded this week, um, that sometimes messages like this are just another thing that it feels like we're failing at. And if that's where anyone is this morning, Lord, i Pray that instead they'd hear the invitation from you. That we can come with all of our burdens, whatever they may be, we can lay them at your feet. You will give us rest. This isn't just a commandment, something that we need to do with you pointing our finger at us and say, hey, why don't you relax a little bit longer? This is an invitation, something that you give us through the power of your Holy Spirit, changes and transformations that we can make in our own life. So as we sit here at the end of summer and and just basking in the the glory of the weather and the beautiful place that we live, as we kind of sit here in this season, Lord, and we prepare for the start of the next, help us to be people who keep good margins help us to be people who practice sabbath throughout our day through little comments and also intentional days in our week won't you do that in us lord we pray this in your name